Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the Big Footy Bombercast. I am Bonser34, and as always, I'm joined by the Grizz, and I think, Grizz, it's fair to say that this has been a pretty ordinary weekend or or seven days of football to be an Essendon football club supporter. Yeah, um, uh, I don't know what it is about the second last week of the year. Um, it was Port Adelaide last year. It, <laughs> it's... Um, Obviously, the Giants is yeah, yeah, just um, what a terrible way to finish out the season, huh? Uh, I can't think of many more hapless performances than what we saw on the weekend against the Giants. Yeah, so if anyone's living under a rock, we obviously got beaten um, quite comprehensively. In the end, it must be said, 25, 1262 to 5636. Mm. And, and, and to be honest, Grizz, it's hard to find many positives out of the weekend because. Anyone that was sort of half decent, I think, had flaws in their game. So, you know, um, let's start with the, the, the two main men in the engine room there. And Zach Merritt ended up having 27 touches, five tackles. And you look at that on face value and go, yeah, not bad. But, you know, he had, yeah. 10, he had 10 touches the halftime. And the, the game was still there to be won, you know. Um, and, and 19 of his disposals were handballs, which is not what we want from from Zach Merritt. And then on the other hand, you've got Darcy Parrish, who had 25 touches and seven tackles in the game on the face of it. You go, yeah, not not horrible. But I think his disposal was highlighted. Just, yeah, his, his disposal wasn't great on, on the weekend, I think you could probably say, is being kind, if you if you level at that. So you know, it just falls oh, away from there, doesn't it? Really? Like, oh, no one else oh, <laughs> oh, you, you say fall away. I don't. I, I wouldn't put those. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it a fall away because you have to be, you know, at some height to fall away. I, I think there was, if you're grading sort of on a an A to F scale, I think our highest ranked power player might have been a C minus. Um, like it was, it was pretty bad. And then it was after that point, like. Yeah, Andrew McGrath and, and Darcy Parrish were like kids were using nunchucks, swinging around, just sort of hurt themselves and hurt the team as every time they touched the ball. And um, Nick Hind was doing what he wanted at half back, but I think he sort of forgot that he had to defend. <laughs> and, you know, the younger guys in our team, Ben Hobbs, Jai Cordell, Archie Perkins, Nick Martin, those sorts of guys, I think it's safe to say they've hit a wall. I, I, I'm, I'm prepared to say that. And then just sort of fall beyond that point. Mason Redmond had his, you know, half yearly brain implosion of a game, had a couple of drop marks, a couple of really poor efforts in that first quarter, which almost directly resulted in goals. It was just, yeah. Normally we do the what we like, what we don't like, you know, interesting tidbits. Just, there's nothing to like, I think, in this performance. It's funny because I um, was talking to someone earlier in the year and was, but I was actually saying that, the Victorian club wanted a, a key position for ready-made key position forward to to push them over the line for a finals tilt in the next two years. That Jesse Hogan would would definitely be the player that I'd be targeting if I was a a, a big Melbourne club. And and I mean, he basically showed why. I think. I mean, as, as hapless as we were, he he did play a very good game for the Giants. Um, and and to get you know AFL fantasy points of 188 as a key forward is just insane. But you are right in saying that our highest ranked players. If you look at the fantasy points, the top seven players on the ground are all GWS Giants, and then McGrath with 100 is the only one that cracked a ton. So. Yeah, it's it's shocking. And the other thing I think that that's a real indictment of what happened on the weekend is so so Parrish and Hobbs led the tackle count with seven each, which is good. You want to see that from your midfield. 
And then you got Zach Merritt, who had five. But your next two uh, alongside Merritt are Draper and, and Phillips. And, and I love Draper and Phillips, but if the, your Ruckman are in the top five for tackles on the ground, you're either winning the game or something's gone incredibly wrong. And I think you can say something went incredibly wrong on, on Saturday. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't buy much into the statistics. Like like you said, so Zach Merritt at halftime had 10 disposals, two contested possessions and zero tackles. So, you know, and Darcy Parrish, I think, had something equivalent. Like he had more disposals, but they were basically like contested. That it was non-existent. And I, I have a rep for being a Darcy performer, a uh, defender, sorry. And uh, there was not a lot good about that performance. And, yeah, when you're two Ruckman are... <laughs> uh, basically, was it five and six on your tackle list, or oh, three and well, five on your tackle list, yeah. and uh just I don't. I've actually run out of like I'm sort of numb about it to be honest. This reminds me. I don't remember. This might be a while ago, but I don't know if you remember like Joe Watson's two fiftieth or two hundredth against St Kilda, and we got absolutely belted by about one hundred nineteen that game as well. And it reminded me about that game where it just. This sort of sh- like I don't I tipped GWS to win I didn't tip that it was just utter shock and I think generally you know I like to rely on statistics generally but you know you try not to rely on them too much but just when you look at the raw stats so they had 120 more disposals basically 120 more disposals so you know just unbelievable so they had you know um, almost 30 more inside 50s. Um, they had 10 more clearances, uh, contested possession, they beat us by 40, uncontested, like, by, uncontested possession by 76. So generally you sit there and go, oh, they're all just numbers. But all the key factors comprehensively beaten. And I think the biggest thing, we can talk about stats and individual player performance all we want. The thing that was stark about it for me, Bonds, was... You could tell halfway through that first quarter, the white flag went up. They were checked out, and you could see by the stuff that doesn't rock up in the stat sheets, the defensive running, the effort. There was one time Lockie Whitfield got it off a handball receiver. There were three Essendon players around him. I can't remember who kicked the goal, but it went inside 50. And he just sort of ran past three jogging Essendon players who were within tackling distance if they put their head down and pushed down. But... For me, the biggest thing out of this game was we're checked out. We didn't even get off the plane, it seems like. I think one of the the only positive I take out of it was Brad Scott was pretty frank in his press conference afterwards. I thought I thought he owned it and you know, he did say that obviously we made some errors with selection. I thought Stringer as a sub was always going to be an interesting call. Clearly, oh. I think it I think it was the I mean the the, the thing is with, with Jake is if it's close at three quarter time and you're bringing him on to be a burst player in that last quarter, it's a it's a great sub. If if, if scores had been level at three quarter time and you're bringing Stringer into the game fully fresh, it's a fantastic decision. The problem is, of course, we got smashed and Guelphie got injured, and as a result, you know, it didn't really work. And the other problem was, of course, Sam Draper. I think he only played about sixty five percent game time. So, you know, was was he fit? I don't know. But I, I ask you, Grizz. And then my next question to you is is where where did we get to this point? How did we get to this point? So if you think about the fact, right, so um, after the Adelaide game, we were flying, really. We were flying. We, we, we'd smashed 
Tarleton on King's birthday eve, and we went over to Fremantle and had that aberration, or what was seemingly an aberration at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and Fremantle have been incredibly uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this year. So I still look at that and go, well, they were just on that night and over in Perth. We then played Port, nearly nearly beat Port unbelievably, came out, beat the Crows, and then rolled up to Geelong got absolutely annihilated. It's just been a horror show since the Adelaide game, even the wins against West Coast and North. So where did we go wrong? Where do you think the season has turned? I, And it's hard to point to just one thing, I know, but... Yeah, no, I... I, I... I wouldn't put it at the Adelaide game. Like, I would argue we've had two good games since the bye. Like, when you think about it. So let's just run through the results. We, that loss against Fremantle wasn't just a bad one. That was a disaster. We were non-competitive, basically, from three-quarter time. From quarter time onwards, Port game, Port were coming off a bye. The record of teams coming off a bye this year is horrendous. Port had to travel to Melbourne, wet night, levels of playing field. I'll put that as a good performance. Win against Adelaide was good. Absolutely drubbed by Geelong, drubbed by the Bulldogs. Ripping comeback against Sydney, but non-competitive for three quarters. Got Beat the two worst teams in 10 years. Statistically, the two worst teams since the GWS Giants' second year in the, in the league, we beat by a combined nine points. Ten. I'm not counting either of those two games as a good game of football. And then we get to this weekend where it's 100 and what is it, 126 points. So we've had maybe two and a half good games if you want to count the the last quarter against Sydney since the bye. I don't I don't prescribe to something's gone wrong as opposed to we've been found out. I think we Ants talked about it a bit. I tend to agree our uncontested game worked when teams couldn't figure it out, um, and we had some good. Foot skills back there, Jordan Ridley. I think you've just real like whatever Jordan Ridley wants at his next contract extension, give it to him because it's so obvious how we fall apart behind the ball without him. But you know, we couldn't defend the middle of the ground off turnover all year. What we were surviving with was a team that could intercept and bounce it back the other way. Once we weren't able to bounce it back the other way, we got found out. So I'm I'm rambling a bit, but essentially, I don't think anything's gone wrong. I just think we've found our level. I think teams found us out, and they said, "All right, well, if we can turn this from a track meet into an arm wrestle, Essendon can't go with us." And that's essentially what's happened. And you know, we we sacked Rutten last year because of this string of really uncompetitive performances. Well, if you put together the Fremantle game, the Geelong game, the Bulldogs game, and the Giants game, that's four in nine weeks. Yeah, I mean, I look because if you look at the Adelaide, I mean, going back to the Adelaide game, that it was such a good win. I thought at the time because they were they're obviously competing for the eight, and this weekend have gone just gone have been robbed of what seemingly seems a, a chance to make the eight, and we held them at arm's length all night. So it was a pretty solid because I, I think I think in the end we won by about eighteen points, but I think they kicked a couple late to, to sort yeah. of flatter flat the margin. So you know, you left that thinking. Just maybe this year we we will take that, that, that and you know we as I, as I've said before on this podcast we've we had Gary O'Donnell on and he said it was a failure if we don't make finals from there and I and I tend to agree with him at the time that that was a failure and I still probably look and go it's a failure failure that we haven't converted um, and it's, considering as you said we've been uncompetitive in a number of games it, it's it's just hard because the Geelong game. 
I think I said it after the Geelong game, and I think I posted it on the board at the time that it doesn't undo the Geelong game itself didn't undo any of that good work we've done because for whatever reason we just don't turn up against Geelong, and I have no idea why that is because you know they they aren't the side that they were, but for for whatever reason we turn up and just fall apart immediately, and that might be part of what you've said there in that they don't necessarily look for that uncontested possession, Geelong. They're very much a competitive, you know, with, with I mean, he's retired now, but the, the hallmark of, of their 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 play was Joel Selwood, Patrick Dangerfield, you know, Blitzarves, Mitch Duncan, all those blokes through the middle, big contested bodies, and they still seem to do it. So that that probably explains why they smash us all the time. But yeah, it's it's hard it's hard, isn't it, to pinpoint one thing. There's there's no one reason why things have gone no. south so quick. And and if there was, you know, it'd be a quick fix. But unfortunately, I think um the reality is the last nine weeks have probably showed us we aren't there, which you and I have said repeatedly at the start of the year, we aren't there. And and as a result, there's a lot more work to be done. Yeah, and I think the teams that have beaten us badly and teams that have just muscled up. And I, I I use that term a lot at the start of the year in that, you know, the good teams just decide, okay, we're not going to give you space. We're going to turn this into an arm wrestle. And, and down in Geelong, particularly on such a skinny ground, it's hard to find width and space to get our game going as well, which which doesn't help, which is probably another reason we struggle to play Geelong so much. And, and the the Bulldogs, um, yeah, yeah well, they got the, they, 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 they got they got McCray and Liver and well, they got they got the two best clearance, yeah, two best clearance players yeah. in the competition in Liberatore and and Bontempelli and the best ruckman in the comp and Tim English. So, um, but even like you just saw like North Melbourne last week, you know, destroyed us at clearance. Like that's a really young midfield, but they're a tough midfield. And I, I just yeah, I, I think we're, when we're on the trade podcast, when we're doing our trade week podcast last year, Bonds, we were talking about the list, and I said, look. We're probably going to have to turn over 30 to 40% of this list and it's not going to happen overnight. Now, did we get lulled into a false sense of optimism? Maybe a little bit. Did I jump on the bandwagon? Probably a little bit. But I got uh, after the Bulldogs game, I was like, ah, right, no, no, we've found our level again. And I think the other thing we've got to realise is as much as it might rile our supporters to say it, we are a young team. We have a lot of young players. I think Nick Martin, Archie Perkins and Ben Hobbs have hit a wall um, and they were contributing pretty strongly at different points throughout the year. And I think we've got a backline that bends without breaking until the last couple of weeks where they've broken. And that's just because of weight of numbers of the ball going forward as well. I defy any defence to hold up against what our defence had to deal with on Saturday night. So there, there are a few factors as well, personnel we can't mark the ball for our life, and five, Triple Five has been saying it for years. And every time he says it, I watch the game and go, "Yeah, no, nah, he's right." We can't find a key forward to mark the ball up the ground, forward fifty to save our life. Um, Peter Wright doesn't do it enough. We've talked about that before. You know, Harry Jones hasn't come on as we had hoped. Um, Jaden Hunter played two VFL games and got injured. Paddy Voss hasn't. You know, being given a chance, but he's not really a marking to. Oh, we just there are so many pieces of this puzzle missing, and yeah, I don't know. But the other, the flip side of this, Bonds, and I think you might want to talk about this is fading out late is not new. We're doing this a lot, 
and yeah. I just um, I think the last you you wanted to talk about. I think you've raised the fact that the last five years our finishes to seasons have been horrendous, like more or less. And so you know we haven't been good enough. We've been mediocre to start with, but then we get even worse as the season goes on. Like I don't know, is this a fitness issue? Considering all our injuries, it might be. Yeah. So the last seven games. So I'm assuming. Connor would touch us up on Friday night, which is probably a, a yep. fair assumption at the moment. Yep, if, I agree. If, if you then look at that, so the last seven games for the last five seasons, there's 35 games. We've won 14 and lost 21. And you look at that, and, and, and okay, on the phase value, you're going, oh, 40% is not that bad. But that's but that's the that's the, that's when the whips are cracking. So that's the end of the season when you need to be in the good form to have any chance of doing anything come finals. And the only time that we've uh, managed to win four games out of the last seven was in 2021 um, when we beat North. We lost to GWS and Sydney in close ones, and then we had that streak where we beat the Dogs, Gold Coast, and Collingwood, and then, of course, lost to the Bulldogs in York, at York Park in Tasmania in, the, in that final when we were all sort of hopeful and it just didn't work out. So... It's not a great record, Grizz, and it goes back over more than it's not just a Brad Scott thing. It's it's a couple of coaches now, and so you start looking at that and going, well, it's not the it's not the coaches, it's not the high performance stuff, because they can't all be they can't all, different people can't be failing the same job this 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 much is is my point. So yeah. at some point you look at what hasn't changed, and that is the playing group. I, I think I think it's I think mentally. Our players get to this end of the year, and you said it. They did it on um, Saturday twilight, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think we do it all the time. It gets too hard, and we raise the white flag. We go, ah, we got to this point, but now we have to go a step further. Nah, it's too hard. We'll give up and walk away. Yeah, and I don't know what it is about playing up at Spotless. We t- we tend to get touched up up there. We got touched up last year as well, but. Again, another thing, our record away from Eddie had this year has not been good. Like, yeah, like, we don't get that fast deck to allow us to play that sort of counter-attacking football style. We struggle. And, yeah, I don't know. It is it is a player thing. I think it's a fitness thing. I keep going on about it. We don't have any tools, and we don't have tools because they're always injured. And, you know, a critical mass at some point goes, you know, do we need to look at the fitness staff as well? My hope and my only and I, I've real I've had really strong criticisms of Brad Scott in the past about selection. I tend, you know, he said he's learnt from his time at North Melbourne um, that he you know he he's not going to you know just not give young guys a chance and stay too loyal. It seems like he's done that this year. I think there's been multiple times he could have picked younger guys, Kane Baldwin, Tex Wanganine towards the back end of the year, particularly, and he hasn't. But maybe he's just looked at it and gone, you know what, I know what I've – I need to find out what I've got in terms of the list and he's seeing enough in the VFL of the younger guys to know whether or not they, he thinks they can make it. And he's looking at these senior guys going, yeah, I know who I need to get rid of and who I don't. I, I will we'll know more about Brad Scott and Craig Vozzo – not yeah, um, Craig Vozzo and um, Daniel McPherson this offseason. I would – expect there's going to be some significant turnover in, in player and sort of footy department personnel 
He came probably too late to do it last year, but you know the whips are cracking, and there's some guys out of contract that, yeah, or even in contract if you want to get really brutal, who may not be here next year. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not one that buys into the whole. He got here too late. I know that. I know that theory's been put out a bit on the board, and I, and I appreciate what it, why people say it. And it's, and there's there's no reason why I don't really buy into it. That's that. that categorically makes it false because it is a very good theory and it makes perfect sense i just being somebody that that's that's coming late several times to football clubs and i don't know it's a no it's a completely different level obviously but you still put your stamp on things so i i, I just I, I find it hard to believe that he came in too late as it were last year on just sort of because because he was he would cross all this stuff in his role at the afl so he was across who was oh. He, he was. He was across who was going to sort of be available, and and you know he he had a little bit of insight to the draftees, and 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 he he knew our list. So not 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 to the level that you know he he obviously knows it now, but I think he knew enough to probably put a little bit of a stamp. So if we're going to just say if we're giving him a pass, saying well it, it came too late, I, I think we're being a little generous. But you know we'll wait and see what happens. As you said, this this off season probably is probably the one. Where we'll, we'll be able to tell, and that was my next point. So, where do we go from here, Grizz? What is what is the the story coming out of twenty twenty three? Are we happy with eleven wins? Because we would have taken that at the start of the year. The, the, the thing is, we would yeah. have happily taken eleven wins. The problem is, of course, we fell apart, and four of those wins have come against North Melbourne and West Coast. So, yep, it, it's it's on the face value. I'm, I'd say eleven wins is okay, but if you just scratch the surface a little bit. It, it's probably not been good enough in the end. Okay, so uh, all right, so a couple of things. First thing, just just to tie the knot on the Brad Scott thing, it's I think his attention was pretty divided at the AFL. One thing I will say is it's okay to ask players. You need to be in the market, and at that point we were a basket case. So, you know, he could kick out as many players as he wanted. And we didn't have actually that many out of contract last year, but who are you attracting to the club at that point? But that's a, it's a different argument. We had that last year. Where are we going from here? Well, if you take out the North Melbourne and West Coast games from last year to this year, so we played West Coast and North Melbourne twice. We played North Melbourne twice last year and West Coast once. We actually lost to West Coast last year. So I feel like, you know, whatever. But... um. Take those three games out, those two losses against North Melbourne, we won five games from the year. Take away the four wins from West Coast and North Melbourne this year, we're at seven. So marginal improvement, potentially. Um, also, you know, you could argue if we played West Coast twice last year, we would have got an extra win. So there's probably been a marginal improvement. The percentage you know, is an improvement as well, I think, from last year marginally, but only by I think we're three points better for and six points better against than last year. So we've improved maybe like, what's that, half a percent? I'm going to be honest, like uh, at the start of the year, I thought I had us down for nine wins. 11 is good, but I sort of feel like it's been a nothing year because one thing I, I think I wanted sort of 50 games out of Jones, Reed, and Cox combined. So about 17 each at either AFL or VFL level. And we haven't got that. We don't know what we've got with so many players. So uh, for me, this year was always about exploration. Like what have we got in our younger players? And I feel like we have answers on some in Hobbs and Perkins and Martin and 
I think we've discovered something in Kyle Langford forward, which is a big win. I think we've discovered something with Baldwin down back. If he stays, <laughs> big caveat there. But all in all, there's still too many question marks about these too many players on our list. And, you know, I, I, I won't go as far as to say it's a fail because you can't win 11 out of 23 games and call it a failed year. But I wouldn't necessarily be you know, talking about all the success we've had from it either. So it's it's 9% we're currently higher than last year. We finished with a percentage of 83% last year. So to be at 92, it is, it is an improvement. But as you said, not streets above. And, you know, six weeks ago, we were probably celebrating the fact because I think we were probably 20% above, you know, six weeks ago. But um, so I've, so I've just found the stat. It's three points better per game, not six points better per game defensively. So it's about nine points per game. So when you put that, over 22 games, it's about 100. So, yeah, okay, that makes more sense, 9%. Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. So, and and you, and you again, just sort of touched on what I was going to talk about next to there by talking about Baldwin and whether or not he stays and goes. So, so when we talk about what's next now, I'm just going to put it out there. If Kane Baldwin goes because he doesn't he, he doesn't think he's got the opportunities, I'm sorry. I, I don't really care. Like Because the reality is the, he has played – one season as a defender in the VFL. He has looked decent at AFL level, absolutely. Probably should have got a couple more games. But really, the back six this year for us, I think, has been pretty good. I think they've been let down massively by the blokes in front of them. So I don't think there's anyone in there that I'm demanding comes out for for Baldwin at times. So... It, it might be rough to say that, but I just don't think the opportunities have ever appeared. So if, if he fails because, you know, one year into his new position, he didn't get a chance at the AFL level that he thinks he should get, is that really somebody you want around the club? Mm, I don't know. I, I would I would argue probably not, but I'm a little harsh, to be honest. Um, in fairness, like, you could also argue that who on this, you know, after the weekend and after some of the performances in back half this year, like everyone should be on, unless your name is Zach Merritt or Kyle Langford or Jordan Ridley, you're on notice, surely. Well, yeah, but I don't think any of our back six have had multiple bad weeks. I mean, the way some people are talking about Baldwin is he's, he's, he's Stephen Silvani crossed with Matt Scarlett and we're, <laughs> and we're just horrendous for not picking him. And the reality is, as I said, he's only in, in his first year in his new role. And the reason is he, he had to get moved to his new role because he just didn't work out for us up forward. So, yeah, yeah I, I just... There's a little bit of there's a little bit of me that, that, that gets a little bit sick of the hyperbole that, that surrounds... The love sure. for some blokes in the VFL at times. But I'm more interested in in asking you about well, th- three players, and one of them is the big is the obviously the elephant in the room and Darcy Parrish in that he goes, does he stay? You know if he goes, for example, and we get pick seven, because if we don't get band one compensation, we we're matching. There's just no question on that. Do we then look to use those picks to move up or what's the plan there oh so it's a, it's a multi-pronged thing so with parish like my and i get accused of being a parish lover on the board thing the thing for me with parish is has always been what are you getting back from him like he's a real he's a very good not elite player with some elite traits and some flaws 
Okay, so if you're getting pick 13 in a nine-player draft, which is what PM Bangers basically said it was last week, doesn't sound like a good return. If you're getting pick seven in a nine-player draft, now it's a different question, right? Now it's a whole different set of analysis you have to make. And if you can get pick seven for Parrish, I think you run. Um, as much as I like him, I actually think he'll be better off somewhere else where our board doesn't chew him up for every single mistake he makes at every given time. But also he'll just be a better player. And for us, pick seven in this draft is probably, you know, where we're at better for us. Um, but, you know, pick 13 probably isn't. So what do we do with pick seven? I think we just take it to the draft. We haven't got enough high-end youngsters to try move it out. And I, I don't think anyone particularly is going to want to move up either or move back for us to move up. So I think we just take it, to be honest. I think we just take it to the draft. We draft the best kid we can. We just start taking that young talent. Because the Gold Coast obviously have their pick and, they, and they've got all these academy players. So they'll probably be trying to, to move down. So I suppose their pick's the one you're targeting. And, and it probably wouldn't cost, I don't think, that much to move up for them. But... Um, I would be trying to get that pick in addition. So don't don't try and move from six to four. Try get four, six, and seven. So well, if you, you have yeah, to if you yeah. have to move out your your second this year, and you know you trade a pick, so trade someone for another high end second, and you trade them basically three pretty high end second round picks. Or maybe you have to shift a future one or something. I don't know. I'd be trying to get that third pick inside the top 10, get that big clump of picks. Um, but then again, are we going to be any good next year? Do you want to be trading our future first? I don't know. I'd just be trying to find out what that cost is for well, their pick. I, yeah, look, I don't think they'd be interested in a future first because I think they need points this year is the problem, uh, is, is, is the massive problem. Now, the other one you could probably target from Gold Coast and we've gone off topic here is, is Elijah Hollands. I think there's rumours that he's supposedly gettable and he, he'd just be perfect for our our profile um, because he's that big body mid and he's young enough to complement the rest of our, mid, our young mids. But the other two players from Essendon I want to talk about, Grizz, I want to ask you about is one is, is Jake Stringer. Do 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 we keep Jake Stringer or do we move him on? Because I, I love Jake Stringer, but he's wasted he's wasting his time with us. Really, he's an impact player that looks great in a winning team, not so good in a losing team. And I think he would. I, I think he could be the difference between a middle of the top eight side and pushing them into the top four if he's fit and available. And you'd probably still get a second rounder for him. The other one, of course, is Dylan Shiel, who's only played 12 games this year, and we actually haven't missed him all that much, I don't think. Again, yeah. do you trade him if you can get a second rounder for him, for either of those? I think I think, I think if you lose Parrish, you keep Shiel. I think you just you, you can't go too young in the midfield. Um, I think if you have, you know, Shield, Merritt and Setterfield with the young midfield around them, because, you know, Shield and Setterfield have shown they can't get through a season at this point in their career. It sort of depends. But if you keep Parrish, if Parrish stays, which is a big if, my my view on on Shield and Stringer, and we can have this bigger in-depth conversation when we do the, the end of season wrap and, and leading into trade week, they're both players where if they get a good offer elsewhere, you, you shake their hand and thank you, thank them for their time. I, 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 like, I'm not necessarily pushing them out. But if a St Kilda came along and said, we need some firepower forward or centre, Jakey Stringer, come out, come on over, I, I wouldn't hold it against him. Go win another premiership, mate. We're not going to compete by the time you're in 
you know, while you're still in your prime, mm-hmm. um, go. Like, and, you know, even a Melbourne. Do you reckon Melbourne would kill for Jake Stringer at the moment? <laughs> Imagine Jake Stringer in that forward line. So same deal with Dylan Shield. There'd be plenty of midfields in um, the top eight that could use someone of his quality. It, I'm not kicking them out as some others might be, but if they get an offer for a better opportunity, I I would take a second rounder for either of them and and shake their hand and thank you thank them for their time to be honest and with all the love in the world and no resentment. Look, I, I'm never kicking anybody out because the reality yeah. is that when you kick somebody out, like the Bulldogs did to Jake Stringer in his prime, you go from a player that should have got them a top ten pick plus more to getting two mid second yeah. rounders and you've wasted talent because. You know that and that and that's what happens. That's what happens there. So uh, the last one I want to question on, and, and as you said, we touched on it better, but Dyson Heppel, yes or no? Does he go around again? Oh, and you can uh, shoot Bambi. Oh, uh, I don't want to shoot Bambi, but I'm I'm at a position. So it's uh, if you stay, you are not guaranteed game time next year. So. I don't know if we can do that as a club. I don't know if we have the stones to do that as a club. But if it was a, you can stay. And if you know we have some injuries and we need some experience, Covey come in. Otherwise, we're not picking over a younger guy that you know we want to blood. I'd be okay. But what I don't want is him coming back and taking games off Cox and Massimo D'Ambrosio and all these other young guys that might be looking to take his position. So for me, it's uh, if you if you held my feet to the fire, I'd probably say no, but I'd be open to it if he accepted that he might spend significant portions of next year in the VFL. Oh, my answer is no. Oh, I just don't think he goes. Yeah, okay. And and, and, the, and uh, you know, you and I have have been big defenders of Dyson's. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I don't think his form's been as bad as what people would say it has been, but. He's not going to be there for the next flag. We're not winning the flag next year. He's not no. going to go beyond next year. As a result, you know, I, I, if he wants to stay on as yeah. a leader, if he wants to stay on as a bit of a leadership for the VFL, he can play VFL. Yeah, sure, we'll sign him yeah, up. Sure. VFL. There's, there's no. Yeah. Like, the thing is, we did do Brendan Goddard. We we told Goddard that he didn't have a full time spot in the AFL, and he and he retired as a result. And Goddard was in much better form than what Heppel is in now. So I just can't see why you would. Why you would want to hold on? Well, so. it, it would it would be a list spot thing. So um, yeah. we and that's we may not thing. we we may not if, if too many players leave. Like Zerth Thatcher's out of contract, being chased by Port Adelaide, um, and a couple other teams. You know, if you know, Zerk leaves and Parish leaves and a bunch of other guys leave, we might just need someone a warm body for some list spots because we for one year because we don't want to be spending pick seventy eight on a kid that's probably not going to pan out, and we'd just rather carry that list spot over to next year. For example, that that could be. I mean that. Yeah, I get your point. I'd, I'd still probably take the punt on the kid at pick seventy eight. Yeah, but then you're tying you're tying you're tying up a list spot for two years. Whereas Dyson Heppel, it's one year, and then next year you can load up. But not that, not, not if that, you not if you well, I suppose you don't have to use pick seventy eight. If if you do what we did with Martin, because we no, well get... that that that's the other alternative. So what would you yeah. rather? Would you rather the the one year guy like Fred Montgomery or, or Nick Martin and hope they pan out? Or but that's an off season question. It, uh, if you're to hold my feet to the fire, it's a no. Um, if circumstances break a, right, a, a certain way, maybe, but, you know, feet to the fire, no. Well, we that'll, do us, 
Yeah, sorry, we got a minute. Just... I was going to say we got a minute, but yeah, no, really that'll not. do us for tonight, Grizz. It's been a pleasure talking as always, even though it's been a rubbish week as an Essendon fan. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Probably not in the circumstances we were hoping, but it's great to have you back on the pod. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, and always to remember, remember to like, subscribe, and tell everybody you know to listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm.